0: So it's December, the snow is flying, got our lights up, got them up before the snow started flying, you know, I mean, um, pretty soon my wife's going to start making poppy seed bread and we start making the cookies and, you know, Black Friday came and went and wallets came and went for some people, you know what I mean, the movies, we get to watch all those great Christmas movies, can't wait, I haven't watched the Christmas story yet. Can't wait to sit down and watch Ralphie shoot his eye out again. It's my favorite movie. My wife can't stand it, but I love it, so I make my kids watch it with me. It's that time of year, and you know what's funny is holiday brings a lot. So what we've been dealing with in in my house this year is, is the stress of giving. You know what I'm talking about? So my wife is dealing with the stress of giving this year. And so... We've had several conversations where can't I just tell you what I bought you so I don't have to worry about whether you'll like it or not? Like, uh, just, you know, I just want to tell you. And uh, is it the right gift or is it the wrong gift? What what What's going on? I said, you know, she's all about the surprise. Can't you wait? She said, can we just not give gifts anymore? I mean, this is dumb. You know, the anxiety that comes. Or have you ever been on the other side of that where you had a gift that was perfect and you couldn't wait to give it? And so like, you're just sitting there wanting to give it, wanting to give it, and nine times out of ten, if that's me, I give it before Christmas because I can't wait to give it. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that's all that, that comes up in the middle. Or there's the other one where like, you know, Christmas morning, how we have all these little powwows or the, all these little settings where, uh, I give you something and then once you open it, I gotta sit down with you and show you every little detail of this who's a modiddle that I gave you so you know how to use it and all that it does. Like we're explaining how it does this or how it does that, and we're we're we're, we're giving you the gift, and before you get the paper off, we've got to explain it all. Well, there's something about this season, something about this, that as I've been reading the Word, I feel like God's going through some of these emotions. Like where He's so excited about a gift that He can't wait to give it. He's so excited about the gift that, that He's given us, He can't wait to tell us about all that His gift is going to accomplish. So I'm going to look at a scripture, and we're going to be in it for, for the next four weeks, so we'll go through Christmas, uh, just where I feel like, you know, if, you, if you're like me, and you've ever got a good gift, and you need an excuse to give it, 700 years before he gave his gift, God started talking about his gift. The verses we're looking about uh, seven hundred years before Christmas morning, before Jesus Christ came, God began to, or He'd already started, but but the verses I'm looking at, He starts to talk about His who's a medito, like everything that's going to be accomplished through Jesus Christ, the gift. That he's given, And so I want to look at these words. I'm sure they're words that we've heard. I'm sure they're words that we've seen. But I want to look at them in the context of, of God revealing the gift that he's given. At this time, God revealing the gift that he intended to give. And I want to look at the words. There's four descriptions that he gives. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, chapter 9. Verses six and seven. It says, "For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called." This is what my my Huzamadiddle will do. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord uh, Almighty will accompany this. Now think about this. God's not following gift-giving protocol. You can't tell me all this about the gift. You're telling me everything about the gift in these these words. You're saying a child's going to be born. The government will be on his shoulders. He's going to do what? It's going to be the best gift. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be a mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I mean, he's telling us the gift. How would you feel if Christmas morning or sometime this month, if my wife gives up and she just tells me what she got me? That's not fair for the gift. God broke all that protocol. He's given us the gift. He's told us what the gift is going to accomplish. But we read these words. We hear these words, we sing these words, whatever we do with these words. And so many times that's all it is. They're just words on a page. But God chose these words for a specific purpose. He had something. He was communicating about the Christ. He was giving. Sometimes we miss what God was communicating. Over the next four weeks, I just want to look at these descriptions. What is God saying? Like, what was God preparing us for? Like, why, why did God choose when He was talking about his son, that, that He was giving? Why did He choose to describe him as a wonderful counselor or a prince of peace? Like, what was He saying? And then the next question becomes, if that's what God was saying about His gift, am I using His gift the way God intended? You know what I mean? Like, am I putting into practice all the little things, the beauties, the intricacies of the gift? Or am I just holding my Jesus doll in his box, all wrapped up nice and pretty, putting it on my shelf, not letting it accomplish anything at all in my life? You see, God designed the gift perfectly. He designed the gift and and he told us about the gift because he was that excited about the gift. So I want to talk about his gift over the next four weeks. Father, I pray for this morning. As we look at your word this morning, God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir in us the truth that we need to hear this day. I pray for submission in this place, God for my submission as a pastor, for my mind, for my thoughts, for my heart, for my words, for us in this room, for our ears, for our plans, for the things to be done, God, for even the food in the kitchen, God, that we could concentrate on you and hear your word this day because it's wonderful. In Jesus' name, amen. The Word says, a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. Now, what is happening when these words are written in, written in Scripture? Like, What's going on? What's the context of that? They're written, they're in the book of Isaiah, so does anybody want to guess who spoke these words? It's Isaiah, yeah, we're smart, we're on track. Just got to get some minor wins to get us all engaged. Who was Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Israel. Remember, there was ten tribes, or twelve tribes that split. Ten went north, two went south. Isaiah is a prophet to the southern kingdom. Uh, and in those days, uh, and I found this somewhere else, so I'm just going to read someone else's writing. In the days of Isaiah, the world looked dark, bleak, and hopeless. This is what Judah, the southern kingdom, looked like. The nation of Israel had turned their back on God, and God, in turn, had turned his back on them to punish them. God was bringing a nation from the north, Assyria. That nation was going to sweep down like a flood and wash over them in vengeance. Isaiah said that God told him, The Lord spoke to me with his strong and mighty hand, warning me not to follow the way of his people. He said, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. And he will be a sanctuary. But for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. It was going to be a time of darkness, a time of hopelessness. But in just a few verses, we read these words. They're they're, they're a dark place in their history. And it's just going to get worse. I mean, that's been Isaiah's job is to tell him about how bad it's going to get. That, that's what he's been speaking. God, God's going to destroy you. Like, there's a kingdom from the north that's coming to invade. Like, that feels good. We're not scared if we say Canada, but if we picture Canada on steroids, maybe. They're coming from the north and they're going to invade us. And they're going to take everything we know. They're going to wash through like a flood and destroy everything that we have. That's what they've been hearing. That's what the people of God have been wrestling with. It's a dark time in their in their existence. They're questioning, they're wondering. They know that they've caused this in their hearts and their minds. They probably haven't professed it, but that's where they're at. In the middle of darkness, God says, "I want to bring some hope." Like in the middle of all that's going on, in the middle of all the wrestling, in the middle of all the the destruction and and probably depression and overwhelmingness of of life, God, God says, I can't hold back the gift anymore. Like you guys are, I can see you're oppressed, I can see you're defeated, I can see it's dark, I can see you're overwhelmed. Let me give you a glimpse of what's coming. It's in the midst of of the darkness of the kingdom of Judah that Isaiah speaks these words that God, he's going to choose to send a son, a child. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Sometimes my mind is too simple. So, excuse my candor. Wonderful counselor. What does that mean? Like, in my brain, all I can come up with is Dr. Phil. Like, I don't know why. I don't even think he's that wonderful. But that's what my brain goes to. Like, seriously. Like, God's not saying Dr. Phil's coming. So what is God communicating when, when he's talking about the gift? This is going to bring hope to the people who are in the midst of darkness. And he says, I'm going to send one and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Some translations put a comma in between there. A lot of them don't. So we're going to kind of group them together, but keep them apart a little bit. Wonderful Counselor. Well, what does wonderful mean? Yeah, I think we say good. You know, because like I remember as a kid, when I talked about my tests. Sometimes the teachers would put awesome. Sometimes they'd put great. Sometimes they'd write wonderful. What's the difference? Like, is that really what God is talking about? Is, is that, that he's good? There's something about the word wonderful that I think goes beyond just good. What is he saying when it becomes this word wonderful? I looked in the Hebrew and I looked at the definition and and, and other places that this word is used. It's used for wonder or marvel. Extraordinary, hard to understand, astonishing, unusual things. There's something about being wonderful that is beyond the norm. It's beyond our understanding. Think about it. We have what we call the seven wonders of the ancient world. Why are they wonders? We don't get it. Like, how did they build those pyramids? Like, I can't make a a house out of cards and they can build pyramids that are that size with stones that were that, you know, I mean, and and people are in awe when they experience this because it makes no sense. It's beyond comprehension that this could be done in that time, the Great Wall of China. Like, even with today's construction, Trump can't build a wall between here and Mexico. Right? Right? Yet China has a wall that can be seen from outer space. These are things that in my they make my brain explode. Like you know, like little firecrackers go off in my brain because they're wonder. Scripture, God, when He's describing. Now let me tell you guys. You want to set yourself up? Tell your wife you got her a wonderful gift this year. I mean, it's going to make their brain explode, right? I mean, that's really the context of, of what's being communicated through wonderful. Like, there's a gift that is, that is coming that is wonderful. It's beyond good. It's not just what you're used to. It's, it's beyond your comprehension. I mean, why start the gift off like that? Like, you're setting yourself up. It's wonderful. I want you to think about Jesus Christ and the revelation of that gift in your life. Is that gift truly wonderful? You know, so often this is the gift and it just makes sense and we can package it pretty clean. Right? It's Jesus in a manger. That's the gift and and that's what we think about. Is Jesus a little baby came? Whatever else. But what is wonderful about that? When it comes to the gift God has given, when it comes to the promise of Jesus Christ in your life, are you receiving, are you seeing, are you learning, are you experiencing something that is wonderful? I'm telling you, as Christmas comes, we have to have the mindset, we have to remind ourselves, we might even have to change our thought patterns to the reality that Jesus Christ is wonderful in my life. Like it blows my mind that God would choose to send His Son? That whoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life? Does that blow your mind? That God would send His very best that would die on a cross for my sin, that He would send His very best because there had to be a price that was paid for sin, a price that was paid for all those dumb choices that I was making, that I am making, and that I will make. And that God sent His Son as the perfect sacrifice for that. Sometimes I think at Christmas we look over how wonderful Jesus Christ truly is. And He will be called wonderful God will be called wonderful can you claim the word of god can you speak the word of god he will be called is that word about you because god wants to be wonderful Not only did he say wonderful, but this is where things get really interesting. He says that he will be called a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. Well, what does a counselor do? Huh? Yeah, I want some feedback. What does a counselor do? Gives counsel, advice, wisdom, right? I get to serve kind of in in, in lots of roles in life right now. And one of my roles is pastor and one of my roles is presbyter. And I will tell you, in that role, people seek counsel. I'm not going to call myself wonderful, but I'm going to call myself okay or decent. How about that? No way I'm going to earth-shattering, brain-exploding stuff. But I'll tell you what. As a pastor and as a presbyter. Let me tell you, people will call me, it doesn't matter when, and that's fine sometimes. It doesn't matter what. And they want to tell me what's going on. And I assume they're calling me, wanting to tell me what's going on, because they want some perspective or they want some counsel. can't tell you how many times people call, pastors or people, they call, we talk, we sit down, we have coffee. I provide counsel. And you know what they do? Everything opposite of what I said. Now I must either be a bad counselor He will be called wonderful counselor. How often do we read the Word of God? How often do we pray, God, speak to me? God, tell me. How often do we call him at all hours of the day and cry out to God? And God has laid out the plan. He's written in his word. We've heard his word. He's confirmed his word. And then we go and do the exact opposite of everything that he's told us. Like we go this way and we end up in this pit and we say, how did I get here? But really, God told us to go nowhere near this way. He said, walk the way that's, that's, that's narrow and we walked the way that was wide. I mean, we didn't listen to the word of God. We did it our way all along. We, we sought his counsel even. Let me tell you, God is a wonderful counselor. God is a wonderful counselor. His ways don't make sense to me. The revelation of Jesus Christ didn't make sense to the Jews, did it? It was extraordinary. It wasn't what they anticipated. The, the whole idea of the government being on his shoulders wasn't supposed to happen through a cross. He's a wonderful Counselor. What are we doing with that gift? We've been reading in discipleship. I caught up just in case anybody was watching me. Boy, the worst thing about the discipleship program that Walt does is he's got us all together on an app and people can see when you haven't read your Bible. So Pastor got behind last month and so I looked real bad because everybody can see I don't have a check mark on my name. Caught up. I finished it. Jeremiah is where we were last month. Think about the prophets. Now prophets were men appointed by God to do what? To speak his word, right? Is God's word good counsel? So I think it's fair to call prophets counselors. They were good communicators of the word of God, the plans of God. Jeremiah is a prophet that I don't want to be. If you read the book of Jeremiah, the entire time he's speaking God's word, and the entire time he's watching people not listen to God's word. I mean, that's the entirety of this book. What are you doing with the gift God has given you? I want to read this. This is like where it starts to just kind of make your brain twist and turn and whatever else. Jeremiah chapter 42. Sorry, guys, I jumped ahead a little bit. He said to them, This is Jeremiah saying to them, the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition says. So these people ask the prophet to talk to God. You see this? And Jeremiah is going to outline what God's counsel is. So he says, if you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you. For I have relented concerning the disaster I have inflicted on you. Do not be afraid. The king, of Bab- the king of Babylon, of whom you now fear, do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I'm Emmanuel. We talked about that this morning. And I will save you and deliver you from his hands. I will show you compassion so that you will have, or so that he will have compassion on you and restore your land. What is God's counsel to the people uh, that Jeremiah is speaking to? What he tell them? Stay here, right? What's going to happen? God's going to plant you. He's going to relent the judgment. You're going to find favor even in the king of Babylon is where we get to. pastor needs to silence his phone. Potentially, that could be someone from the other church, I guess. One in council. Yeah, I told you they call me whenever. God has told them very clearly. Is there any question what God is communicating? God's good. He doesn't just stop there. So he gives them the other side of the coin. Then hear the word of the Lord, you remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. If you're determined to go to Egypt, you do go to settle there, and you go to settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you there. The famine you dread will follow you into Egypt, and there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, famine, and plague. None of them, not one of them, will survive or escape the disaster I bring on them. Now, you're given A or B. God's given you some good counsel, right? You can stay where you're at, and things are going to turn around. Things are going to get better. I'm going to plant you. I'm going to plant you deep. You're going to have good roots. Uh, you can go, and guess what's going to happen? They're going to overtake you. They're going to destroy you. What do you choose? What did they choose? They went to Egypt. We got door number one and we got door number two here. Let's make a deal. Which one are you? They chose the zonk. But they told them what was behind the zonk. Like it's silly. What do we do with the wonderful counselor. Earlier, Jeremiah chapter 36, the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and Jehudi brought it from the the room of Elashama, I guess, is the secretary, and read it to the king, and all the officials standing beside him. It was in the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with the fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi read three or four columns of the scroll... The king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants, who heard all these words, showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. What words were they doing? Here's the picture, okay? Where the king has got some of his counsel, counselors with him. They've got a scroll that Baruch wrote as he dictated from Jeremiah. And and Baruch spoke these words to the people, and the king heard about it, so they brought the scroll to the king. Now they're reading the scroll, so they're doing what? They're hearing. Scripture says clearly they heard every word that was written in the scroll, and what was their response with the counsel of God? Piece by piece. Hold up. Let me cut that part off. Throw it in the fire. Piece by piece. So let's read a little bit more. They go on with the words that Baruch had written that Jeremiah had heard from God. And they cut it off and they throw it in the fire. And they go on until there's absolutely no counsel left. They've hardened their hearts to the words of God. They've hardened their hearts to the the things that God is speaking. The scripture says clearly they heard everything in those scrolls. Yet they burned them and they were not changed My question this morning, the question I wrestle with today is if God has given us his son, who is a wonderful counselor, what are you doing with his counsel? Like what are you doing with his wisdom? What are you doing when you've petitioned and you've cried out, God, speak to me. God, tell me what to do. Then God tells you what to do. And you go the opposite way. When you wrestle and you say, God, tell me what to do. And God speaks clearly what to do. And you take his word and you treat it as trash and you cut it up and you throw it into a fire to be burned and never heard again. Yeah, that sounds extreme, but I truly wonder if we're honest with ourselves, if we're honest with the word of God, how many times do we read his word and we say, ah, we'll just skip over that part. It doesn't make much sense. I mean, people now want to change what the word of God says because it doesn't jive with our our contemporary understanding of things. And so we want to change it. We want to take words out. No, it's the Word of God. His counsel is good. He is a wonderful counselor for you. What are you doing with His counsel? He will be called Wonderful counselor. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word became flesh. And he made his dwelling amongst us. He is wonderful. The answer, the word is here. He's given us. Jesus said what? He said um, in John John chapter 14, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, counselor. It's the same word to help you and be with you forever. Who has he given us? Yes, he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. But he's also given us the Holy Spirit who he calls an advocate and counselor that is in us. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God. Like you said, I can't find the counselor. Look within you because God says He places His Spirit inside of us. It's within you. Maybe you're just not listening. Jeremiah chapter 33. Read this recently too. Call to me. And I will answer, and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That sounds like wonderful counsel. God desires to speak great and wonderful things. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ that we celebrate at Christmas, is a revelation of God's desire to be a wonderful counselor in our lives. Sometimes we just have to call and allow Him to answer because He desires to tell you remarkable, incredible, great, and unsearchable things that you do not know. God wants you to realize what you do not know. You may wonder what tomorrow looks like, and God may be speaking. He may want to reveal, but we have have to ask and we have to listen to the wonderful counselor that God has promised. Now, let me tell you, if God has said he will be called wonderful counselor, then he is called wonderful counselor. That means he is your wonderful counselor. That doesn't mean he's waiting to be your wonderful counselor. That doesn't mean he might be your wonderful counselor. That doesn't mean he's only pastors. Wonderful counselor, but he is your wonderful counselor. If we call to Him, He will answer. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is wonderful counsel. Like God says, I get it. I get what you're wrestling with. I get what you're going through. I get the, the struggles that you're having. I get the, the flesh wrestling that you're going through this day. I've been tempted. Jesus has been tempted in every way. But he gives us wonderful counsel. Grace and confidence so that we may receive Mercy. We may receive the answer that we need in this moment of need because we have a wonderful counselor. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to God, the Father and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly, in the sufferings of Christ, so our comfort, so our counsel, so what God is revealing in our lives, it abounds through Christ. God desires to be a wonderful counselor in your life. You guys can come forward. Christmas is coming. We just put our tree up this morning and the kids put the decorations up today during Sunday school. You know it's coming. And your father has a gift for you. It's a gift that he was so excited about that he had to talk about it 700 years before it ever came. 2,700 years before you would ever receive it, he started talking about how great the gift that he was giving was going to be. He started talking about the reality of a wonderful counselor that he was providing for you. He knew there would be great and unsearchable things that you would desire to know that the Comforter, that the Counselor could give to you. He could give you the knowledge that you have need of. This Christmas, God wants to be a wonderful Counselor. What are you going to do With the gift God has given. What do you do with the present that the Almighty has given to you? He'll be called wonderful counselor. Father, I come to you this morning. God, I pray for everyone in this room. God, I know that that gift that you offered through your Son, Jesus Christ, you gave that gift to every one of us. The mercy, the grace, the compassion for all. God, the promise of this revelation is not excluded for just a few, God, but it's for every one of us. Yet so many of us We're like the kingdom of Judah we go the opposite way. We know what's right. We've heard what's right. Sometimes, God, we neglect completely to the point of burning up the truth that, is, that you've spoken to us, the counsel that you've given us. We've turned our backs on it completely, but God, I love the promise that, that, that we have a high priest who understands us. God, you get me. You get me when I got it right, and you get me when I get it wrong. God, you get me. And even when things are going well, and I'm following your word, and I'm following your way, you're speaking truth to me. And God, the reality is, when things are going bad, and I'm making my choices, and I'm going my way, God, you're speaking to me. Because you're wonderful. You are a wonderful counselor. God, I pray for each of us that we can receive the gift that You've given God. not only receive it, but utilize it to the fullest. The gift that You've given God. That it wouldn't just sit on our shelves, God. That it wouldn't just be written on the box. But God, we would live with the promise of a wonderful counselor every day. I thank You for the gift. Thank you in Jesus' name. As Walt and Carrie as they lead this song, I I feel compelled to open the altars. And if you say, Pastor, I need some some counsel, I need some wonderful counsel. And you say, Pastor, will you pray with me? I want to pray with you for those situations, those circumstances. I want to I want to seek God with you for the revelation of of the counsel that you intend for those great and unsearchable things, that maybe you're wrestling with understanding. If you say, Pastor, maybe I don't, I don't want to come forward to the altar, but there's someone I trust in the church that I want to pray with, go pray with them, but access the gift that God has given you this day, the wonderful counselor that He desires for you to experience in this moment, in every moment moving forward, in Jesus' name. God is good, Amen. He is a wonderful counselor, amen? remind yourself he's a wonderful counselor. There's going to be a moment this week you need a good counselor. If you're my wife, it's probably going to be in a few minutes because she's married to me. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you receive the gift of the wonderful counselor. Amen? Be blessed.